1: doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought-provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well being. We give you tips and
0: insights to taking the next steps.
1: If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being.
0: So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch, and get real.
1: We are (laughs) back. Be Real is back. Diana, are you here with me? Are you here today? (laughs) We
0: We are keeping it real today. It is, yes. Yes, we are living up to our name today.
1: <laughs> We've gotten to know each other a lot more than we had already known each other this morning. I don't know how that happened. So excuse us if things get a little giggly. But um, Diana, how are, how are you doing, right? We're, we're deep into the summer. Actually, summer's probably almost over. What does your summer look like? I mean, I don't want to compare it to last summer, but <laughs> no. what does it look like? What's going on?
0: There's no comparing it to last summer. Um. Well, I played hooky on Monday, got my feet in the sand. Whew! Girl, for the first time, I did. I did that. And that was fantastic. Let me see. What else? I'm feeling pretty good today. Overall, I don't know. It hasn't been as hot here. So that's been okay. Mm, I wanted. Am I, gonna, I feel like I'm missing dressing up for work. Okay. Which, I mean, historically was not my favorite thing to do, but. And not using you as the bar for dressing up for work. But for me, <laughs> my own version of dressing up for work. So I've been trying to do more things to make me feel more feminine. Because I feel like hanging around your sweats all day is, takes that away. I feel like getting my nails done. I gave myself a hair mask. I dressed up a couple days this week for work. To go back, <laughs> go back in the back room and close the door and stay in my house.
1: Looking really cute, walking the dog. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is interesting about like kind of feeling yourself again. I think throughout this time, in a lot of ways, I haven't felt like myself because I'm usually kind of out and about. Um, But as far as getting dressed, it's funny because um, I am finally going on a vacation, right, this week. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, that goes into that. I'm actually getting on a plane. I'm going to be in Jamaica. I had to take another COVID test. Hopefully like between the time I took my COVID test and the time that I leave that I don't get COVID because they would quarantine me for like a week when I get there. So it's a lot going on, but I'm going there for a wedding. We were talking about dressing up. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how excited I've been to wear a dress to this wedding. I'm like in the closet, like, oh my God, because I always buy dresses because I always know I'm going to have somewhere to go to wear them, right? So I have this beautiful coral dress. I'm like, okay, I got the nice, cute silver clutch, the silver shoes, like, I'm ready to go. So then my husband gets a text from the people, his friend, it's his friend's wedding. And he's like, oh, you know, you guys could be really comfortable for the wedding. And oh, yeah, our colors are. purple and gold and white and if you want to dress in that you could i was like hold up i want to wear my coral dress <laughs> like, I was, asking, I was like, can i still wear my coral dress is he telling me that i need to wear something like purple? <laughs> because i had this all thing set like i was feeling really pretty trying it on i haven't worn a dress in months so i'm, I'm in between because i have a plum dress too but it's just not as cute as the coral And I feel like I need that brightness of the coral. I'm in Jamaica. I need to feel tropical. I've been in the house for too
0: long. (laughs) I don't, well, I'm, I'm feeling like there could be a costume change like midway. <laughs> like you can
1: like totally in a wedding, Diana. I can't I can't costume you change. You can totally
0: costume change. Why can't you costume change? It's not like you're gonna go put on your wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> like, then we would have we'd be having a different conversation about being locked up for too long in your house if you were bringing down your wedding dress. But that's how it's gonna be. So you can like it's you it's on a resort right? Yeah. So you're not that yeah. far, you are not that far away from your room. It, I mean, yeah. I, I was not that far away from my room when I was at your wedding. I could have run back to my room, changed my clothes real quick and come back. As a matter of fact, I wish I had Some thought of people- that. <laughs> right. So like go get a shoe change. I should have thought of that when I was at your wedding. But yeah, you can like leave it on the bed, go to the wedding. And then right before the cake, run and change your clothes and come back in the coral dress, have the cake, and then like or just like go to the go to the art uh, go to drinks first, right? Go to oh go to the <laughs> go to the service
1: uh uh-huh. of- <laughs> <laughs> Go to the
0: you know <laughs> you know what I mean. Go to the go to the wedding park. Go to the go to the 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 ceremony that's the word go to the part that I would do the ceremony right me the officiant and then go back because you got to wait while they get their pictures taken and then go back and put on your coral dress Mm. and then come back to the wedding like show up so that you're in in the purple one like at the ceremony now that I have the word right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, and they get those pictures taken in purple and then come back in your cor- coral dress and do your
1: thing so I have to say I am excited um, I don't think that I'm nervous <laughs> about getting on a plane I, yeah I'm not nervous about getting on a plane I feel really good about that I hope that I'm not forced to quarantine when I get back mm-hmm. even though I'm not going anywhere anyway but still <laughs> I don't want to be forced to have to stay in my house for 14 days And other than that, I really wish I had some applesauce this week, but my grocery store has been out for probably the last two weeks. What about you, Diana? Do you like Um, like applesauce?
0: I do. And you know what? I have plenty in my refrigerator right now. (laughs) Got plenty. Plenty of applesauce.
1: Not,
0: not, Not lacking in the applesauce department. Got it. So
1: I think that we should talk about our guest today. Okay. Who is it? Well, I'm excited, but you should be excited because she's a friend of yours, but it's Andrea Dresser. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Andrea. i So Andrea has been over. You're, you're, You're excited? I am. I'm super excited that she's here. So Andrea Dresser has spent over 20 years involved in community health as a health educator, consultant, and mental health advocate. Since graduating with a master's degree in marriage and family and child therapy in 2009, she's worked in various agency settings and started a private practice in 2011. And this is the really exciting part, guys. So she continued in her education to become a certified sex therapist through the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Um, Andrea is married. She has two grown sons. She's also a grandma. But she's here to talk about sex, guys. So... I think we can get right to that. <laughs>
0: yes. So go grab your tea, sit back, put your feet up and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. BeWell is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19.
1: With over 15 licensed therapists, BeWell offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text well that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today.
0: Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text well one word, B-E-W-E-L-L to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Hello, it's me, Diana. Here at Be Real with my, cook, my co-host Nisha, <laughs> and here we are. We are back another week, another week. Today, Nisha is meeting another friend of mine, <laughs> <laughs> which she gets excited about. So today, my friend Andrea Dresser is here with us, and Andrea is licensed marriage and family counselor, but also. More important to us today. She also is a certified sex therapist from New Mexico. Andrea, hi, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Um, as let's get started by you giving the listeners
2: just tell them a
0: little bit about you and who you are.
2: Okay, well, I'm like Diana said, I'm a marriage and family therapist and a certified sex therapist. I've been in New Mexico ten years. It took me a long time to get certified as a sex therapist, but I've been doing, I've been certified since 2015, even though I've been doing it longer.
0: Okay. So. We're just going to jump right in. I want to know a little bit about how it was that you came to be a sex therapist. What was, how did, how did the whole thing start? how did you decide? Cause they're not, there's not a lot of you guys out there, like really certified. I mean, we all, hopefully all therapists are talking about sex, but like real certified sex therapists, not a
2: lot. Right. Well, I have to say when I was in graduate school, there was only one course offered on human sexuality and the teacher was a religious woman and very uptight and told the class, I don't know why they asked me to teach this class. So I'm thinking I'm not gonna get a good education here. But when I would drive to graduate school, this was in 2007, I used to listen to Oprah radio. And there was um, Dr. Laura Berman, who's a psychologist and sex therapist on back East. Anyways, people, she had a call in radio show. And people would call in with their sex problems. I was so intrigued and so fascinated. And she kept talking about this organization called ASECT, the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Well, so I decided to look on their website. And it just so happened, I was living in Nevada at the time. And it just so happened in 2008, they were having a conference in Arizona. So I thought, well, that's close enough. So I went and my eyes were opened. Oh my God. Huh.
1: So
0: how is
2: it? uh, Anisha, you, you, I, I know you have a question.
1: So Andrea, I've, I've been talking to Diana forever about becoming a sex therapist. I think for me, when I first came into this work, I thought I wanted to do couples work. And I say, I thought, because once I started doing it, I was like, Ooh, this is hard work. Ooh, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember
2: that day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. But it's, it's definitely a different type of work than the individual. But what I noticed was that also in um, graduate school, we just didn't talk about it. And I had other supervisors before working with Diana who they never brought up sex in therapy. And I was like, that is such a huge part of our life, right? Like that is how we connect with our partners. That is sometimes how we gauge like how our relationship is going. So why are we not talking about sex and therapy? So I always made it a point to talk about sex with my couples, with my individuals, with everyone. Cause I think it's such a big part of our lives, but I realized that I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole because I'm not certified, right? So there's things that I don't know. So that's a fear, which is why I've been thinking about going all the way. But just the thought of going back to school and all the supervision you need, and you know, it's just, it's just a lot of work. Like like no. you were saying, it does take some time.
2: It does. Uh,
1: I do want to know
0: how sex therapy differs from your other education. I mean, I can guess, but like you do have a. I mean, you are your graduate. Uh, degree is in marriage and family, right? So one would think, even though we just found out that you didn't get enough information about actual sex, like, so what is what is the coursework? I, you don't have to tell me like exactly what the coursework is, but like how 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 is it? Help me out, Anisha. How is it formatted? How is it? The, you know what I, I mean? Like obviously the conversation is about sex, but it's not just about sex, right? Right. right. So I want to know. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not doing a very good job, but yes.
2: With therapy, it's talking therapy. Don't touch the client, never. We talk about issues that normally you wouldn't talk about in therapy, like erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, um, mismatched libidos. Maybe the woman has never had an orgasm before, and she's been married for several years. Gosh, there's so much. Um, and I can't think of more, but, but you know. those, are, those, are,
0: those are three top hitters right there. I mean, let's right. those are things that are very difficult for people to talk about in general, even in therapy. Right? Right. And that oftentimes when we think, when we have a problem with our sex lives, we don't have the language because maybe we were brought up in a religious home or we don't know that we can actually talk about it, or this is something that therapy isn't for, right? Like we don't talk about these things because we don't talk about these things or like we think they're physical things and not emotional things. Correct.
1: I think it's interesting also, but in American culture, I believe we've been taught to be ashamed of sex and which is why we don't really talk about it. So I would think if someone comes to talk to you, there might be like a lack of interest and maybe they don't understand. Like, why do I have this lack of interest when sex is everywhere, right? Like in everything we watch, all of the commercials, there's always these sexual innuendos, but there are people out there who may have just kind of low confidence when it comes to it or just don't have any interest. Do you you see that when people come to talk to you? And if you can talk more about, because I, well, I would think that our listeners are thinking that you have to be in a relationship also to go to sex therapy, but I also think that individuals are coming alone. So could you talk a little bit about that, Andrea?
2: I would say it's about 50-50 where people come as a couple or people mm-hmm. come alone. And yes, you don't have to be in a relationship to benefit from sex therapy. I've had males come in that have low libido, and that's been an issue in their relationship if they're in one or they're concerned about it. Uh, it's more common where I see females with a lower libido than their male counterpart if they're a heterosexual couple. Couple, but mismatched libidos is probably even more common where one person has high desire, another person has low desire.
1: And how do you help a couple through that? I guess for our listeners, so they can have an
2: understanding. Well, you have to meet the lower libidos, you have to see what is getting in the way of the low libido. Is it physical? A lot of times, I'm referring to urologists, to Mm -hmm. endocrinologists, family doctors. You know, to get hormone levels checked. So it could be an actual physiological reason. And if it's not, then we're going to talk about the emotional reasons. Is there a history of trauma? Is there a history of sexual abuse or assault? Does the person have a poor body image? That's a big one, especially for women. It's a, what about the higher look? Li- now I'm like, okay, we we, we go for the low Dude, libido.
1: She's parking up over here, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we go for the low libido, and we find out what's standing in the way. But what what about an overactive libido?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, some people have called it sex addiction. I don't call it that. It's in ASEC we learn to call it out of control sexual behavior. If mm-hmm. If it's not managed well, you know, for example, a person who has multiple partners, you know, not necessarily in the room at the same time, but ongoing partners in the same time period, and they can't seem to help themselves, it's like a compulsion. For something like that, it's usually anxiety driven. Mm. So we're going to go into family of origin issues, find out what's driving the behavior, but a lot of times you find it's anxiety and sometimes medication helps just like uh, taking Prozac, which is known to squash a libido. But,
0: and then it would, it squash I wonder now, of course, I'm curious if you had, if you came in with an overactive libido with, and you did go on medication, will it kill it or will it tame it?
2: It tames it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. Right. And I'm glad that you don't call it sex addiction addiction because I, that language I don't, I don't use either. Cause I'm like, it is more, it is a compulsion, right? Like mm-hmm. what, and why, and not understanding why you can't stop. And like one of, well, and then I'm thinking about it from the male perspective and not from the female perspective. So mm-hmm. I want to like in, because I'm thinking about from it and I'm also thinking about it in a heterosexual couple. So as I'm thinking about a, a man with a compulsive libido and like that pleasure, right? Because I don't think it's, for some reason, I could be wrong, but this is just the way I'm categorizing it in my head. If it sounds like you have to discharge that anxiety, there's almost more pleasure on the man's side, like a compulsive libido for a woman does, in a heterosexual couple, does that does not sound like pleasure. To me, but that could just be right. I'm putting myself in that position, and just because of the actual physical act itself, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's a aggr- it is aggressive <laughs> in <Yeah>. a way. <laughs> the actual intercourse itself, there's some aggression in there. So like the charge is different from both sides. And do you see women with um, overactive libidos?
2: Well, not as much, and oftentimes the driver has to do with self-esteem. And what I have seen, and I'm working with a young woman right now, for example, she just wants to be loved. So right. she has uh, a lot of sex with a lot of different partners in the time of COVID. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's more out of her insecurity and need, you know, to be accepted, to be loved, to feel desirable. Right. But more often than not, it's, I see men that come in where it's, you know, chronic masturbation and intercourse, and enough is not enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. Yes. Yeah.
1: When I talk with my female clients, I think I talk to them a lot about prioritizing their pleasure. For some reason, I, I notice women come in and there's not that drive in some way, as if they've kind of disconnected from it, right? Like they're not supposed to prioritize their pleasure. Sex is not supposed to be a priority in their lives, especially if they're single. Do you have women that come in with um, maybe some shame and some guilt around wanting to have more pleasurable experiences, maybe with different um, partners?
2: Yes, and that's a really interesting point. And it seems that the women that I've worked with that have had that experience have more dogmatic religious upbringing.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Right. And so it's like ingrained in them that, that sex is just
0: for procreation. Like, Mm -hmm. even if it's not what they would say out loud or like with their girlfriends, it's like, it's like an ingrained feeling or stigma. And how can you really enjoy yourself if you really, you know, this is just something that you mechanically are supposed to do. Right. Um,
1: Yeah. For me, you know, for black women, especially growing up um, in Christian households, mainly sex is about procreation. And I talk to my clients, like it can be recreational, like, and we should talk about it being that, right? Like if you are in your twenties or early thirties and you're not ready for a child, you should still be able to have pleasurable sex. Why can't it be recreational as long as you're safe? So, I mean, I do promote that in my therapy (laughs)
0: session. I'm glad that you're promoted. I'm loving the language of recreational sex. Make sure like you check that box, right? As long as you're safe, but you're having fun and it's scheduled in, just like you had PE when you were in school.
1: You want to make sure that you have this recreational time. I mean, but if you think about play for adults, sex is a big part of our play. Right. So why not call it recreational? Yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't see any reason not to call
0: it recreational, it just never dawned on me. I like it though. And it is I yes and sex is play for adults but right? <laughs> just because well I guess I was thinking when you were saying black women in Christianity and then I was like well you know I was I was raised Catholic <laughs> <We> just, <laughs> we just, there is no 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 and those that and I don't think that that has changed that much and um Catholic households. I don't think that the conversation has changed that much.
1: Andrea, do you see religion coming up often in your work?
2: Somewhat. Yes. I I would say if I was going to give it a percentage, I would say about 40% of the time religion is an issue. That's big. Yeah, it is. It is. Especially I'm thinking in particular of um, some of my non-orgasmic clients that's where they struggle more because of the, I see because of the religious upbringing and the religion that they're practicing now, they have conflict about like self-exploration and talking to their partner about what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting.
0: That is interesting, right? Because having the conversation is part of is part of sex, right? It's part of the play. It's part of the foreplay. Having the conversation back and forth and feeling safe enough with your partner and allowing yourself to have that feeling, that feeling then would go in your mind, goes against what you were told or taught. Correct. Yeah. Ooh, that's a challenge.
1: So, Andrea, so I think about talk therapy and sometimes, you know, we're bringing up a lot of kind of pain that people have been through. Sex therapy may be something a little bit more hopeful and there's more like of an actionable plan for people to do like, is there a lot of homework and assignments people have because they talk about these things with you in the room, but then they have to go out into their lives and figure out how it works.
2: Absolutely. There's homework.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Anisha, that was such a good question. I was thinking because I don't have a problem. I never had a problem talking about sex with my patients My therapist had always talked about sex with me, so I think it was easier for me to then translate that into my own work. What I'm noticing as we're having the conversation just about myself right here in the room, in this room, is that just labeling it sex therapy and being able, just that, just the language itself, right? And being able to go in and know that you have the space to, you can talk about anything, right? But this right here, like you have the space just to talk about sex and your relationship to sex. And I think because Adisha has brought it up so many times and I've been like, yeah, 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 whatever. And and I've supported it. I don't not support it, but I think that um, I have a different, I'm starting to have a different feeling about the idea of sex therapy because it does sound, just thinking about my own caseload and just like people I've worked with over the years and having had talked about sex, but just like this window that like of play and pleasure and what, and homework and all of those things. I just, I don't know. I'm just riffing off on this, but I love it.
2: (laughs) I love the idea. Well, what's interesting is a lot of times I give uh, the homework assignment, I give them like a four pages of bonding behaviors. I tell them we're gonna take sex off the table, depending on what the issue is. Like, let's say the man has uh, premature ejaculation. So um, intercourse is always anxiety provoking. So we say, we're gonna take sex off the table. You're not gonna have intercourse for two weeks. And I give them these bonding behaviors, which are sensual prescribed exercises that they do of touch. And they come back and they say, oh, we had sex and it was good, you know. (laughs) know, When you tell them you you can't have sex, you know, it usually works in a way that it hadn't been working before. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to see this all more. All right. What is
1: it like for <laughs> you, Andrea, like when you have like these kind of success stories, right? Because I think that sometimes in marriage and family work, it, it kind of feels like it's hard to get to that change space, right? Or that, or, or just seeing that change. It feels like with sex therapy, you are, are able to see more change, maybe quick, well, yeah, faster, possibly?
2: In some areas, yes. Okay. In some areas, no. It's. Mm-hmm. It, it takes more.
1: If we could shift a little bit, just I wanted to talk about like what have been some of the challenges that you've seen since COVID has come about in couples with their relationship to sex.
2: Well, the most interesting thing is it, before COVID, mm-hmm. our intakes, our new the people who call in weren't requesting couples thera- therapy, but starting in May, June, July, the majority of our calls are couples therapy. Oh. Our requests are for couples. So I'm thinking it's because of COVID, because we're having prolonged time together and getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> so it's brought up a lot of issues for couples.
0: Um, have you seen that they are, I mean, yes, we've all been together for a long time, but I'm wondering if people are, no, I guess you're noticing the holes in your relationship more. And we've talked about this uh, ongoing since COVID. Are they having more sex
2: or less sex? I think that they're having less sex, but I'm not sure. That, okay. I just read this really interesting study from the Kinsey Institute uh-huh. and that um, it was, first of all, for single people, one in five couples reach out to an ex lover to have sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
0: you know what
1: you're getting over there. You don't have to think about
2: it.
0: Yeah, you're just people are scrolling through their phones and like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Remember me, I still have your number. I guaranteed that's
2: happening. <laughs> but the, they also show that this is really interesting that this I was reading this article in Los Angeles magazine and couples that are Republicans don't have as much of a drop in sex as opposed to more liberal people who are more freaked out about COVID and they're having, the stress is causing less sex. Overall people are having less sex, but there seems to be uh, a demographic difference. Amongst party lines. Amongst party <laughs> because, because And the, the thought was, is that maybe people who are, republican aren't as concerned about the virus and they're not into wearing masks as much the concern isn't the same so they're more relaxed about sex
0: that's fascinating, it is fascinating. <laughs> that did not uh, that didn't cross my mind i didn't i didn't see that coming but can totally understand how that if you were not concerned about if you're not concerned about COVID and you're not thinking that it's going to affect you or that it wouldn't stop like you wouldn't stop you from having sex, right? Because we have Anisha and I have talked about this too. It's like COVID is not a sexually transmitted disease in any way, shape, or form. However, it is keeping people from well, not Republicans, <laughs> it is keeping people from having sex because of the transmission of how it is transmitted. So that is, but if you didn't think you were gonna get it, then why would you care? Why
2: would you care? Right, it it is transmitted through feces. It's in the feces. Oh, it, wow. Yeah, they find COVID in the feces, but not in, uh, not through vaginal sex or semen.
1: And what about saliva?
2: Oh, saliva for sure.
1: Right, so I would think that you can't just go around kissing a bunch of new people right now. Probably wouldn't be the smartest thing to do.
2: There's been it's really interesting in other countries they have had different campaigns. I think it was Canada that mm-hmm. was promoting using glory holes for sex. Oh, what is that? A glory hole is a cutout, a cutout in the in the wall, mm-hmm. usually. Or in a bathroom, a public bathroom, where a man can insert his penis through it, and the person on the other side, can they can have anonymous sex.
1: Oh, okay. I learned something new today. I love
0: it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so now that we have gotten the definition of a glory hole, we're going to move to a more intimate conversation, and <laughs> one where, and go back a little bit, and then go forward, because we were talking about uh, the bonding exercises, Andrea, and the thing, that you give your couples. Let's get a little bit deeper into that and what that really looks like when they're doing their homework. Like how does how do we set up the conversation with our partner to get it to even like get it started, get on a roll? Like how do you what do you recommend to partners to even open up the open up the door to the conversation?
2: Well, part of the homework is they have to do these bonding behaviors 3 to 4 times a week in most cases. So it's, you know, they have to do their homework the, based on the fact that they have a piece of paper with instructions, it kind of helps. It kind of helps get the conversation going When part of their instructions are they are to instruct their they're supposed to tell their partner what feels good, what they don't like, you know, apply a little more pressure, less pressure, like really specific physical wants and needs for each exercise, if that makes sense.
1: Makes a lot of sense.
2: Okay. I love
1: it because if you if you give the direction, right, as the therapist, then it makes it easier for the couple to talk about because it's not like this is what you're not doing. It's not about a deficit model. It's more about, right. hey, we're exploring right now. So let's kind of explore what, you know, we're exploring what we like and what we need. And I think people feel more comfortable with that. So I, I, I love that bonding um, exercise. I have to get that from you, um, okay. Andrea.
0: <laughs> well, I really like what you said, in the show, about it not being from a deficit model, right? Because you go, I'm imagining that when you go in, you're looking at your sex life from a deficit model, right? Like, you're like, we don't have enough sex. We don't do this. We don't do that, blah, 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 blah. And then you move on to, okay, so now three or four times a week, we have to be intimate and intimately touch each other and have a conversation. Is there anything, Andrea, in the homework about eye contact?
2: Sometimes I do that in the office, a little Tantra exercise where they do eye gazing and synchronize their breathing. And that's usually more in the office. So I can observe. And what invariably happens is people get silly. They get embarrassed. They Mm -hmm. start giggling. And then they get serious.
0: Okay. So I would be giggling guaranteed at the beginning because I have definitely been giggling a little bit, just a little bit throughout this whole episode. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm a laugher in, in general. That's what happens when I'm anxious. But And in full conversation, I'm always laughing. But I do think that I am comfortable in my sex life and in my sexuality and who I am, but when we talking about it, I am definitely like historic. There's like a 12 year old girl in there that's like, he, I can't believe we're talking about this.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: and is my mother listening? I'm really like, is my mother going to listen to this show? I got um, a little me- nervous. But think about that, Diana. If you are having those feelings, and you are first a therapist, second, you are someone who has been in therapy for many years imagine what it's like for someone who's just a regular person who's never been to therapy to actually talk about this stuff where again our culture kind of makes us feel shameful about it so i think it's so interesting that we have to talk about it right because so we can let go of the the shame it has to it has to leave us right because we're all doing it we wouldn't have so many people in the world we weren't doing it right so people are having sex Why is it so difficult to talk about it though, right? Like, so when clients come to my office, I'm just like, yeah, so how's your sex life? And they look at me like, huh? It has a lot to do with like your anxiety, your depression. It impacts your whole life, whether you are having it or you're not, or you want to have more of it, less of it, whatever it is, it's something that's worth talking about. So it feels like I do need to pursue the sex therapy thing. So I can talk about it in a different way. And maybe, um, you know, I can know a little bit more, especially about the physiological issues that people may have, because I, right. I can't really speak from that place at this point.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I will say I am intrigued with the training as well. And also I was, because <laughs> I still, I'm giggling again, because I'm still imagining that my mother is going to listen to this show. And I was thinking when you were talking about how we don't talk about it, that there was, um, we were out for dinner. It was my mother. Maybe it was my sister. This was years ago and maybe one of my brothers and somehow we somehow sex came up and we didn't say it. We called, we said applesauce, (laughs) We (laughs) we wouldn't say sex and we just called it applesauce. And I don't remember what we were talking about, but it became a joke. And then it was like, are you having applesauce? And I was like, oh, okay. And I specifically remember because I was a I mean, I've taught in my professional life, like I talk about sex all the time. I was a sexual mm-hmm. health educator in a high school and middle school. I do it in my office all the time, but like for some reason today, <laughs> that, that it's just it feels a little bit different. It's kind of funny.
2: Applesauce is different. I
0: have <laughs> <laughs> applesauce <laughs> is different. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um we have been talking about we've been talking about sex from a very heteronormative perspective so far do you see a lot of uh clients from the lgbtqia
2: uh, I, community i sure do i work with a lot of transgender uh clients and i'm seeing more and more younger ones coming in in their teen early teens and it's that's really interesting too. some report that they've known since they were really little, that they had the wrong genitalia. They didn't match the body that, you know, they didn't feel they matched the body that they were born with and really struggle with that. Sometimes we have to explore all the different options because they're not sure, you know, puberty does a number on people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with one young person right now that once puberty hit, they just body shame all the way. I mean, they can't stand their curves. They can't stand their breasts. They think they're transgender and I'm holding space for that. But I question if they're really transgender and maybe they're something else like non-binary or. Right. Yeah. What a difficult time. Uh,
0: Puberty. And having that confusion,
2: that mm-hmm. is,
0: um, and it's, this is also a conversation that we weren't having 20 years ago in the way that we're having it now. Um, not that transgender people didn't exist 20 years ago. It's just that there's more, we're a holding space in a different way for these conversations. And I think that the non-binary and the transgender and what to do moving forward and like getting through puberty, getting through your adolescence and then And I'm saying that before, like in some for anybody who's a little bit confused around the um, hormone blockers or whatever the next steps are for you, wherever you are. So um, amazing work, Andrea. Amazing.
1: You know, I think about as a heterosexual person, I have a lot of models of what sex looks like for me. I wonder, is that a lot that you guys talk about, uh, about them not having a model about what sex looks like and what it could look like for them? Do they try and talk through that with you?
2: Interestingly, my transgender clients don't talk to me a lot about, uh, so much about the physical act. Okay. They will talk about if they're transitioning from female to male, they'll tell me about maybe their libido is a lot higher because they're taking testosterone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Some physical changes, anatomical changes. However, that's about the extent of it. And if they're in a relationship, a lot of them don't aren't forthcoming about the the uh, mechanics of their intimacy. And it's also interesting. So some people who are male to female don't want the hormone blockers, so they can still have an erection, so they can still easily orgasm they're just taking the estrogen and so and some take the hormone blockers cause they don't want to deal with their penis. They just eventually want it off. Right.
1: Is it hard for your clients to kind of unpack those feelings with you? Do you notice that? Right. Because I would gather they may have not talked about this with other people Because you have this level of expertise, maybe there's more of a comfortability, but do you feel like it's even, it's still very hard, even with the fact that you are a sex therapist?
2: Yes. Uh, Well, especially with the younger ones that don't necessarily even have a vocabulary for feelings. You know, it's limited and they have limited life experience in relationships and yeah, they really struggle.
1: So you provide that for them in some way, I would gather.
2: I provide the space for them to talk about whatever they need to talk about, you know, how to come out. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And a lot of times the parents want to be involved. So I do psychoed with the parents and give them books to read and, you know, so they can support their child, you know, if they are supportive.
0: Right. There's that, right. If the if the parents are supportive and they wanna be educated and then you're also holding space for a young person or a person of any age really whose parent couldn't tolerate it, right? Right. Who who wasn't open-minded enough and didn't understand.
2: Correct, and I see that with older clients that have transitioned, maybe they're in their 40s and starting to transition and they're rejected by their family members, including their own children it's really sad.
0: Yeah, it is really sad. That's super sad. And right, and the children are angry, the children of the person transitioning are angry and frustrated and don't and don't understand and there isn't room in the family for them. I mean, I've seen I have seen that not in my my professional work but in my personal work and that is my personal life and that has been just a horrible thing to see somebody rejected for really no reason it makes no it's just for some because of somebody else's
2: discomfort right yeah
1: heavy stuff huh
0: i know
2: it is heavy
0: (laughs) it is it is heavy well i'm glad that you're out there doing the work andrea now i do wonder and was thinking about it as we were getting ready for the show how because not that therapy itself isn't intimate but in the in the intimacy of sex therapy, how was the transition on? Are you guys still on video out there in New
2: Mexico? Oh yes, uh, we're using Zoom. Okay,
0: so what has how has that been different in the work? Like, I know that I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I was just I was, I was wondering. I was thinking about my own caseload, and I was wondering. But I think that how just how has sex therapy been different well, over over Zoom?
2: Okay, it. What's interesting is. Many of the cases, the people who are doing sex therapy want face to face. I've just started a limited amount of face to face clients coming in. But Zoom, it's, you know, it it has some limitations, but I think we're able to accomplish what needs to be accomplished on teletherapy. Really do.
1: Have you had any new clients? Right. Because I know that for me, the clients that I had before COVID working with them face to face and now going to video was a little bit easier for people to tolerate than the ones that I just met during COVID. And so they've never really worked with me face to face. It's only been via video. Have you had a lot of new people since COVID? And what has that been like for you personally as the therapist, only being able to, you know, know them via video?
2: Right. Initially. The problem was me. I was very anxious about doing teletherapy with new clients, especially couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's worked out okay. I mean, it, it's been adequate. You know, it, that's the tool we have to work with. So we're doing it.
1: We don't really have a choice, right? <laughs> no, there it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're doing it.
0: I can appreciate that couples work would be harder over video, I don't have any couples right now, but I'm wondering, and, well, because you can't get away from each other, right? Like you're in the house together and right. there's like, there's that space after, I mean, I've done, when I have worked with couples, I've had them take space away from each other after the treatment so that they, all the feelings that were induced don't actually keep going <laughs> <laughs> and then like take some time apart and then come back together and not talk about, not talk about the session. Until like 24 hours later, just to give them time to like marinate on it and let it whatever either die down or just like think about what the next steps were. Not being able to leave the house is um, is a little bit makes it a little bit challenging.
2: Yes, it does.
0: What are some of the what are some of the tips that you're giving people as they are at home now together and in therapy? What are what are some of the takeaways you're giving people?
2: Well, as far as COVID is concerned. As far as COVID is concerned. (laughs) That they need to ask for their time and space. That they, you know, use language such as, I would really like it if, and fill in the blank. I need a timeout. And making that acceptable. Um, If it's getting too heated, let's revisit this in an hour. So I give them some language to use so they can be okay and not have things escalate. Oh, I like, um, I like that Anisha took notes and I also
0: (laughs) saw her write them down. I like the language. I like the timeout language. I could use that myself the other day. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to put that in my back pocket.
1: You know, I was thinking, Andrea, if you could, for the listeners, like, what are some of the misconceptions people have about sex therapists, right? Because I do think that there are people out there who think that a sex therapist will show them how to have sex, or they would actually have sex with them. Like, I know that there's a lot of misconceptions. What are the things that you get that people think that ser- sex therapy is that it really isn't?
2: I really haven't had that issue. Um, you know, I make it clear that this is talk therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't touch. In fact, I have a T-shirt. It says, sex therapist, we only touch the heart.
0: Oh, oh. I love that. Yeah. I love that. When Anisha gets her
1: certificate, we're going to get her one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've told people that this is what I want. And I've had people say, so so, so, wait, people are going to be in your office having sex? I'm like, no. <laughs> what do you think this <laughs> That's not yeah. what happened. I,
2: you know, when people come in... They have a specific issue that they want to work on. And I've never had to say we don't touch or this is only talk therapy. It's, I've never had to say that. Okay. Maybe because of my website or something, you know, it kind of explains a little bit about sex therapy. Okay.
0: Oh, okay, good. Can you tell us where your website is?
2: What your website is, please, ma'am? Yes, ma'am. CounselingLasCruces.com. That's C-R-U-C-E-S. Awesome.
0: So if anybody is interested now and you're in New Mexico and you need a good therapist or one of many, uh, you can go on to Andrea's website
2: and you can book an appointment. And I'd also like to say if someone needs a sex therapist to look up A-A-S-E-C-T, that's asect.org, and you can locate a therapist in your state.
0: Oh awesome. Yeah. That and we'll make sure that that's in the show notes too so that you and after you listen you can go back and you can look for it and we'll keep it in the show notes for people who are looking for a specific certified sex therapist because they have an issue that they feel comfortable that they want to feel comfortable talking to the person on the other side that they really believe that that person can help them. So that's great information. Thank you Andrea. And Andrea thank you so much for being with us today. We're not done. We're almost done. We're not done. Oh. <laughs> um, so we've gotten to know you a little bit more. Well, I got to know you a little bit more and Adnisha got to know you, yeah. but
1: That's we great. do
0: want to make sure that we know a little bit more about you. So Adnisha's going to ask you a couple questions and have nothing to do with anything we just talked about. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
2: You're gonna ask me about my sex life?
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> no. <laughs> but she might, but
1: I don't think
2: so. Okay. Oh. Um,
1: so Andrea, how have you been kind today? Oh <laughs> you weren't expecting that.
2: Well, I really wasn't to myself or to somebody else. Doesn't matter.
1: Either, yeah.
2: I was kind today because I did. I picked up my husband's breakfast dishes and all the mess he left in the sink. And I put it all in the dishwasher.
0: Oh, that is nice.
2: Yeah. Like
1: that. Yeah. That's a great, that's great modeling for our couples out there and people in relationships. Be kind <laughs> right. to your partner. <laughs> right.
0: Cause that can be a fight. I mean, and it wasn't. That's
2: no. nice. Thank you.
1: And the second question is what's your favorite eighties jam?
2: Mm-hmm. Take it back. A little further to the eighties. Oh, I'm an I'm a sixties person.
1: Okay, you can give me one of those two if you want to, Andrea. Yeah,
2: sixties. Um, Big Brother and the Holding Company. (laughs) All right. Yeah.
1: Okay,
0: Big Brother and the Holding Company. Blues. It's blues.
1: I'm gonna have to look that up. I love. We're gonna
0: we're gonna look it up after this for sure. Andrea, again, thank you so much. Um, it was great to have this extra time with you. And I know that I personally am going to see you again soon. We really appreciate you being with us today. And now Anisha and I are going to do what we do best, <laughs> trying to get this thing together. Ready? Yeah. So thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. And until then, we're still okay. living in a pandemic. Yes. So stay safe. Stay safe. Wash your hands hands, and and wear wear the mask. mask. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.